Welcome back this month, two podcasts in one. We catch up with new parents, Ksenia and Ryan, as they road test a year of shared parental leave. First, though, the apprenticeship levy. Every time the economy recovers from a low point, employers complain about skills shortages, and it's happening now. But this time, instead of focusing on undergraduates, the government produced the apprenticeship levy. It's been running since April and it's had a lot of press, but here's a quick refresher on how it works from Ben Rowland. He's the co-founder of Arch Apprenticeships. The levy is a new initiative from government designed to address the issue in which uh, businesses want more skills, but for whatever reason haven't historically put the money aside to invest in those skills. And the mechanism for this is a, they're calling it a levy, 0.5% of all companies' pay bills over £3 million. So, so serious it, money. So serious money, and it's going to be deducted monthly, and it's administered by HMRC. This is not a thing that you can try and wiggle out of. This everyone's is the same, paying. everyone's paying this. These three young people at GlaxoSmithKline all chose an apprenticeship over good university places. And when you hear them explain why they did that, you quickly understand just how appealing their choice may look to a lot of other school leavers. As much as I knew that I wanted a degree and I wanted to go to uni and kind of progress with my education, I was also ready to work. That's how I felt. I wanted to get the hands-on experience as well as the education. I was the first year where they rose... To 9,000? Yes, exactly. So... The funding was a big one. I'd really like to get to a manager role. That's my goal. It's almost a fast track to where I want it to be in my future career. Okay. At the moment, I'm supporting Project Molecules. So I get to see all the different molecules and all the different new drugs that are going through GSK and end up picking the lead lines for them. If I think of an idea or an experiment I want to do, they'll give me whatever equipment I need, whatever time I need in order to follow that through and do my own research and eventually publish my own papers. These three are getting real experience in the workplace and gaining qualifications at the same time, and they're being paid. So how is the new levy changing things? So I'm Charlie Freeman. I am the apprenticeship leader currently within NCFE. NCFE designs, develops and certificates nationally recognised qualifications and awards. And according to Charlotte, the new levy is already having a radical effect on the apprenticeship landscape. It's had a major impact. Apprenticeships has been around for ages. Um, I've worked in apprenticeships for the last 12 years. But there's never been a time where government have had more of a focus on apprenticeships. It's never been talked about as much as it currently is talked about. It's on the radio constantly when you're driving around in your personal life. Yes. In the old world, it was very much they were reliant on um, contacting those prime providers through skills funding agency to access that training money the levy yes it's another tax that you'll need to be paying but now you have control of that money as a levy paying employer on how you wish that to be allocated to your staff and your your workforce for future skilling so i see it as a real positive the levy comes at a delicate moment for the UK economy. Industries from banking to engineering are reporting skill shortages and as we chart a course to leave the EU, that problem could become even more critical to our future prosperity. At the same time, anxiety about our political and economic future is playing into more anxiety about student prospects and student debt. So even though right now about a third of school leavers go on to university, that number may fall if they start to see apprenticeships as a serious alternative. There's this whole bunch of people who 
who haven't been to university for whatever reason. And that number is growing as the kind of tuition fees Rise. bite and yes. as the stats continue to grow around the number of graduates who don't get graduate jobs. So there's a growing number of young people who aren't going to university. And I think more and more companies are waking up to this and saying, well, hold on a minute, we're missing out on that talent if we stick with kind of our old-fashioned sort of orthodox graduate programs or whatever programs they have in place. Obviously, in the past, people thought about apprenticeships, they thought about much more kind of manual tasks, engineers, mechanics, that sort of thing, hairdressing. Things have definitely moved on since then. And the sort of field you're talking about, certainly from the young people we've spoken to for the series, those are the sort of fields where they might be dubious about going and doing an undergraduate course anyway, because they perhaps feel those courses haven't quite caught up with where the skills are. So are you finding... The sort of young people who are coming to you straight out of school are people who might have thought about university but have clearly decided not to, or did they? Is it, it a mix? It, it's still a mix, but it's changed, and we expect it to continue changing. So when we first started, as a very new provider who no one had heard of, we tended to get people who were... I mean, they have become great, and some of them are still with the business, but they weren't people... They would say this themselves, who had lots of options. Right. And that has definitely changed. And as we've started working with people like Google and Facebook, people are getting to apprenticeships for the first time. That's really changed the sort of the understanding of which companies are doing apprenticeships. And the draw and, for and the therefore the draw leaders. changes yeah. is changing the mix definitely. So and, and and interestingly, we have apprentices who went to private school now as well, who are also, you know, who have traditionally been very much pushing the university route, but now are opening themselves up to, you know, realizing that university isn't right for everyone Uh, and that's been an interesting kind of development so this is a key thing to understand about where apprenticeships are now isn't it it's not like it was and it's not just the levy that's changed it's the range of subjects that they might train in and the sort of people coming in age capacity intellectual and academic qualifications it's all changing it's all massively and people are now questioning why they should go to university Charlotte is also starting to see a shift in the sort of people applying for apprenticeship places. We're already seeing a massive change in in the usage of that. The conversations that are coming through, I think rightly so, not just that it was manual, but it was also lower level as well, was very much the perception of apprenticeships. And I think since the levy introduction, it's very much looking at that, them higher level apprenticeships, level five, level six, level seven apprenticeships, where I think in the past, it's been more focused at that lower level. So what does that mean in terms of the people who will be doing them? I think there's going to be a massive mix. Historically, funding for apprenticeships has been driven to increase and encourage almost that younger age, that Just 16 leaders, to 18 yeah. market. I think in this new world, they've removed some of the eligibility requirements. So in the old world, because I'd gone through the old route of university and held a degree, I wasn't entitled to do an apprenticeship in my new working world. In the new world, it now frees that up. It's a radical change. It's isn't a massive it? change. So there's going to be a whole range of people who will be, as you say, actually can now do them, who couldn't do them before, and who might realistically think about them if their employers are promoting them. So yep. this might be, as you say, people progressing through their career or returners 
who've been out of work and Definitely. coming back into work or career changes. I mean, there's just the list is endless, isn't it? I think it is. And I think it's that stigma that's around the word apprenticeship. And I think that's where we need to make the biggest change because when yeah. you're in an apprenticeship, the perception is, oh, I'm a young person. Is there a branding problem there, do you think, for organisations trying I, to encourage people to do them? Yeah, I, I think that is a difficulty. I've worked in apprenticeships for 12 years, but I've worked in that delivery side. And even then, there's always been funding available for 25 plus learners within right. apprenticeships and over the years those rules have changed and yeah. so that there's been an intake or there hasn't been an intake but the perception has always been been quite difficult even when you sign up um 25 plus or adults as they were classified in just in the funding talk yeah onto an apprenticeship so they, they almost didn't want to be called an apprentice they wanted to be called something different i think it's going to be really evident that you make it clear to the individual that they're aware what they're signing up to, which ultimately is an apprenticeship standard. But how you advertise that and market that internally might be slightly different. And stigma is a big issue. Goldman Sachs offer five-year apprenticeships leading to a degree where their employees work for the bank three days a week with two days at university. Their international chief of staff acknowledged that even when they're backed by an international finance giant apprenticeships can still struggle to get traction, not with potential recruits, but with their parents. They still think of apprenticeships as an inferior route to a good career. But the levy should help to shift that stigma, not least because more companies will offer more apprenticeship opportunities. Arch, Ben Rowland's company, is the leading provider of digital marketing apprenticeships in London, Manchester, Bristol and Birmingham. And in recent years, they've trained apprentices with companies we've all heard of, like Google, Barclays and Facebook. From what we have seen, the levy is working to the extent that it's focusing large companies on apprenticeship programmes in a way that they haven't been before. Already? Absolutely. And I think definitely we're already seeing a whole bunch of companies who may have taken on a handful of apprentices before because they thought it was the right thing to do or they were experimenting with it and now suddenly talking about how do we use this for 20 or 30 or 40 people a year. And then we get to the question of if they're proliferating what about quality standards? They're just just because there's more of them doesn't mean they're going to be great. That will be a, uh, a big issue is how you maintain quality and particularly in new sectors which are relatively immature where there isn't a long tradition of training such as digital marketing. So the training providers will have to hire excellent people with industry experience, contacts and a desire to teach, and that's a tall order. On top of that, says Ben, it's also about enriching the experience for the apprentices and thinking hard about branding. Actually, no matter how good the training is that you give to them, if they're not engaged, then it doesn't really matter. So making sure they're engaged, making sure they're on programme for the right reasons and this is going to be particularly true for existing employees who may have been in the business five years and if it's presented to them as a you know will you do us a favor by doing this apprenticeship so we can spend our levy probably aren't going to be that engaged whereas a company saying look we've we've set aside ten thousand pounds to invest in someone's personal professional development submit your application to be part of this program i think you'll get people who are much more motivated so if as you expect these schemes proliferate employers who would never have thought about having apprenticeship schemes do get them up and running, they invest in them. There's a real opportunity there for employers, isn't there, in terms of recruitment? Because, as you say, it will become competitive. And in the same way that graduates 
assess potential employers across a range of websites of are they actually employers I want to look at presumably can you see a time when it will be the same with apprenticeships yeah definitely and actually there's a a small but subtle and important shift in how apprenticeships are going to be marked so at the end now instead of it just being parcel either you've got your apprenticeship or you haven't there's going to be this endpoint assessment which is a moment uh, at the end of the apprenticeship and each person on an apprenticeship program has to go through that it'll be a uh, a portfolio based on the last on, on the built up over the duration of the apprenticeship an interview and a test uh, and you can either pass that or fail it but you can also get merit or distinction so you can effectively you come through. out so with you, a first so you can effectively come out with a first exactly and I think it's certainly something that's going to be a battleground for certainly the you know the blue chip recruiters is around their apprenticeship programs is come to us we've got you know the best rate of distinction achievements for our apprenticeship program what it would be a be a reason for a person to go there rather than somewhere else so we've just arrived at gsk's very impressive big campus out here at stevenage we're here to talk to stephen stewart he's the man who runs the apprenticeship scheme here they've got over 250 young people going through the scheme at the moment yeah hi my name's stephen stewart i'm the global apprentice lead for gsk so my role is to to look after the apprenticeship program grow it in the uk grow it internationally and maintain and improve the the quality of it so you relaunched this apprenticeship scheme it's not that long ago six seven years ago 2011 yes 2011 yes and now you've got over 250 apprentices going through the system yeah you don't do the lower level apprenticeships do you no we we start at level three and then we have apprenticeships through to degree level Obviously, GSK is a huge organisation. Do you use external providers at all, or is it entirely internally designed and run? No, we've got some really, really good partnerships with external providers, and we have, at the moment, 14 routes in. So anything from engineering and manufacturing through to the lab sciences guys, through to supply chain logistics, IT, finance. One of their apprentices is Charlotte Winder. She's eight months into the scheme. She's a biofarm upstream process research apprentice. Now, initially, that department didn't have the funding for another apprentice. So by the time she got her offer, she was already on a highly competitive degree course at university. I was originally at Harper Adams studying bioveterinary science and... I got an email from them saying that they were going to offer me a role. Decided to leave university and take on the apprenticeship. That's a big decision. So, you, I mean, you ditched what, what must have been a very competitive place to get at the uni. Yeah, it's something I worked for. It's a course that I wanted originally, like, since I was really young. And it was really difficult for me to get onto it. I'll but, bet. But I thought the end of the day it was definitely the much better option so what was it about the gsk apprenticeship then that persuaded you to ditch a thing you've been working for for a long time it's the sort of department i wanted to go into after i had finished my university course and it's almost a fast track to where i wanted to be in my future career okay and the opportunity to also do a degree at the same time i thought it was uh, it was a no-brainer really how's the split of work and study do you have a day a week studying Yeah, I have one day a week off studying and I work the other four days. So that one day I stay at home and do my own studying in my office at home, which is really useful. So all in all, you'll be, what, five years um, to get to the point where you actually you've nailed your degree and you've got the apprenticeship under your belt already. Is that right? Yes, so I'll come out after five years with a BSc as well as an apprenticeship qualification. And the degree I was on originally was five years, so it's not not much different. And this way you get the work experience as well? Yes, 
Like many other organisations, GSK is trying to figure out all the opportunities the new levy might offer. We're still finding our way through it and we've still got a lot of questions. Where we're seeing real opportunity is for existing employees and how we can use the levy to, to really you know, look at our, our strategic workforce plan and look at our strategic capabilities and think where do we need new skills in the future. What we're trying to do now, and we're using the, the levy as a, a, as a bit of an impetus to do this, is to look at how we can use apprenticeships to help our existing staff who maybe have reached a career plateau or are maybe looking to try new skills and move into new areas of the business. A really good example would be someone who is trained up to, to level seven, level eight, maybe in, in science or engineering, and we want to put them in charge of a department, make them a manager, make them a leader. What we could do is give them, um, put them on a standard in management or leadership and train them up there. Um, that really gives us that opportunity to get some senior people in and give them a new skill set using the apprenticeship, using an apprenticeship and using the apprentice levy to do that. So it gives us that flexibility and it helps us address our strategic capability needs. It's a great idea. I mean, it has been suggested to us there might be a bit of a kind of marketing branding issue around calling these things apprenticeships for older people because in their minds, apprenticeships just junior is that a thing that you might have to play with a bit? Do you think about how you actually present them? Possibly. I think in terms of the existing staff, we'll have to position that really well in terms of the, their perception is that you know maybe they did an apprenticeship 20, 30 years ago, so they don't want to feel like they're going back to, to the start. So and they might be senior, senior people, might not they? If you're thinking about returners, you'd have very senior people coming back and the idea of being an apprentice again. Yeah, I, I think that challenge is, not just for GSK, but uh, you know for, for people in the UK generally, is to really get that term apprenticeship so people really understand that this can be anything up to degree level and beyond. I mean, we're looking at whether we can develop uh, apprenticeships for people doing masters or even PhDs in the future. That's interesting. Um, so, so ideally, you know, the guys like you, you've just spoken to, like Charlotte, who are in the first year, they could go right through to masters, PhD level with us and have that complete continuum of skills as a lab scientist. Lizzie Crowley is Skills Policy Advisor for the CIPD. She agrees that any mechanism that increases training is to be welcomed. But she thinks the government has more thinking to do on the levy. Apprenticeships are a great way to grow you know, the skills and talent base of an organisation. However, they are not the only mechanism that, that, that should be used to support skills and development within the workplace. When the government announced the levy last year, the CIPD did a survey to unearth what employers thought of it and what its likely effect on apprentices and wider skills development might be. We actually found that a significant proportion of employers suggested that they would use the levy money to increase investment at level two apprenticeships at the expense of investment at level three. Uh, and level two um, apprenticeships sort of are the equivalent of, uh, sort of GC GCSEs uh, and level three are sort of A-levels and above. Across all European countries, you know, level three is the norm. And actually, the government's own evidence shows that um, there is no return on investment for level two apprenticeships, either to the individual, to the business or to the economy. So that's a problem. And you've identified a problem at the other end of the salary scale. And at the other end of the spectrum, we've been hearing from a number of employee employers, you know, that they're looking to use their their levy money to to focus, focus on leadership and management apprenticeships. 
And whilst, you know, sort of, you know, there is an issue with um, leadership and management um, in the UK and we have a weakness there, the vast majority of big employers also already spend a lot of money on leadership and management training. Apprenticeships are a key mechanism to address intermediate level skills. And that's where the biggest gap in the UK is. Um, the OECD have been very clear in identifying, you know, sort of we've got a big problem in the UK in the provision of intermediate level skills in the, you know, sort of within, within our workplaces. So your sense is that the levy as it stands largely fails to address the very group that most people think of as apprentices the kind of school leavers young people first jobbers these are all sort of risks we've identified i mean it'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out but we'll be continuing to champion apprenticeships however we do need to be ensuring that you know the government is closely monitoring who's benefiting from this policy As we record this podcast, the government hasn't had anything new to say about the levy, but we'll bring you news if and when it does. In the meantime, cast your minds back to new parents Ksenia Sheldukova and her partner Ryan McKelvey. Last year, we followed their progress as they took advantage of the new shared parental leave legislation to split a year's leave after the birth of their daughter. Ksenia stayed home with Maya for the first half of the year, then they shared the care for six weeks before she went back to work, and Ryan settled in for six months of childcare. Now Maya is eight and a half months old and we paid a last visit to their flat in London to find out how it had all worked out for all of them. So this is a classic moment working with babies and animals (laughs) because of course Maya, who we're hoping to record for you all to hear, is not playing ball. (laughs) She's saying, I'm not a performing monkey. I've got nothing to say. (laughs) So... Ksenia, tell me, how's it been going back to work? Oh, it's been uh, it's been really, really good. Um, the first week I came back, I felt like I'm back in the game. I'm talking to adults again. Yeah, <laughs> it was brilliant. Fantastic. So Ryan's been telling us all about his time off, mm. and it sounds like it's gone really, really well. Yeah, and he's you know it's he's kind of nailed it and found his own way, and it's gone. Is that fantastic. what he said? He did. <laughs> so Ryan, you took over the care of Maya back in February now. So tell me honestly, how has it been? Because it's a big deal, isn't it? As you say, looking after a baby with the two of you, it's fine, it's fun, there's a safety net. On your own, first week, looking after a baby, first time ever, because I seem to remember you hadn't so much as changed a nappy before you had Maya. How was it? Yeah, it was really good. It, I always look at it like when you learn to drive. Um, you might, you know, you learn how to pass a test, but you don't really learn to drive until you're on your own. And it was similar actually with Maya as well, until I was on my own. I probably knew what to do, but until I was actually dropped in at the deep end, that's when I really learned. How did it feel not being at work? Was that really odd? It it was odd not being at work, I have to admit, um, but I got used to it and I've, I've actually really enjoyed being off with Maya and, and going back, I feel this break has kind of given me a renewed energy for work. You know, I feel quite rejuvenated. I'm really keen to get back in there and hit the ground running, I suppose. And I think, looking at you, it looks like you really feel... It's made a big difference to your relationship with Maya. Well, absolutely. I mean, the main reason for me doing it was creating a bond with Maya. And I think it's it's definitely done that. Now, before I ask you about um, how it's been kind of financially, which I do want to get on to, I just want to raise one little question with you, which was, I think when we first met, you did have it in mind that you were going to write a book, I think it was, and <laughs> perhaps start a business. Um, while you were looking at <laughs> How's that gone, Ryan? Next question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Now, I remember talking to you two about financial planning right at the start before you'd even had Maya. And you'd been incredibly organised, spreadsheets, you'd done all the budgeting, you knew where you were. You were getting, you were getting enhanced pay from your employer. So you were quite confident that the money was going to be okay. Has it worked out all right? Um, we have had, you know, ups and downs with money sometimes because we've had some bills came in that were perhaps unexpected. You do need a budget and you really do need to be strict on it. I mean, we have at times slightly went over it and then we've had to be, you know, quite restrained the next few weeks. It's, yeah, I, I would say the key thing is save up before you go off, absolutely. So, final question, really, of this little mini-series. <laughs> would you recommend it? I'd definitely recommend it. I think it's brilliant. You'll never get this chance again, really. I'll never get six months, just me and Maya hanging out. So it's really nice and I, I feel like it is a bond we've created now, which will hopefully go on for the rest of our life. And yeah, it's been really good for me. It's nice actually to have a break from work. You know, you, you work for 10 years plus and it's nice to have this six months off to allow me to take a step back and look at what I want to do and give me kind of renewed interest. So yeah, I think it's been brilliant for, for Maya and for myself. He told us that he doesn't have a regret about doing it and that he'd definitely recommend it to others. How do you feel? Yeah, I would agree. So I think I think the benefits of it work in two ways. I think, first of all, being a mum and being a woman who was off at first, uh, it's had tremendous benefits from me in terms of going back to work earlier. I feel like I haven't missed out on too much going on at work and I feel like I'm confident going into work that I don't have to worry about my being with a stranger, for example, in a nursery at this young, yes. relatively young age. And secondly, for our relationship and for Maya, I think that that has been a huge benefit that she's equally happy with both of us and she's confident being both of us and gives us more freedom in terms of doing things independently and relying on the other. <laughs> so a good result all round for Ksenia, Ryan and Maya. But recent research from working families found that 48% of fathers would not take up their right to parental leave. The key reason? They couldn't afford to and they were worried about how they'd be perceived at work if they did. So still work to be done there. With some fascinating episodes to make after the summer, the podcast team is taking a break in August. Our next episode will be out on the first Tuesday of September. Join me then. Have a wonderful summer.